The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99 percent of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's stephan tubbs welcome to the penultimate edition of the american veteran show so glad you're with us on this sunday afternoon we've got a terrific show ahead as after today we have just one more brand new episode and of course If that does make you a little sad, don't worry. All the episodes that we have done will be at AmericanVeteranShow.com. And please know that as I move on to another phase of my career, it has been the honor of a lifetime to do this program for nearly seven full seasons. We couldn't do this without Attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N Law, BosonLaw.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day, as I've told you, for years and years and years. And for that amount of time, John Boson, his unwavering support of this program. John, thank you. You can reach them, 303-999-9999. Coming up in the minutes ahead... Sirens there from Tel Aviv as the hell continues this past week. Now, 15 days after October 7th, as you're well aware by now, the equivalent to the Israelis, uh, it's their 9-11. And of course, as you have heard, undoubtedly, it was the worst massacre of Jews the worst massacre since World War II and the Holocaust. Coming up in our next segment, the President of the United States gave an address this past week. I try not to get political, at least as political, on this program as I do on our normal program Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time. I've got to tell you, it's a challenge this week on this program. We'll play you the majority of our next segment, the comments from the president. I think he did a disservice and he shortchanged Israel most certainly by diluting the message from the United States when it comes to Israel and, you know, getting tougher against, say, a terror group like Hamas. We heard certainly a lot about Ukraine and Russia and Putin and Zelensky. We'll talk about that in our next segment. Coming up in segment three this Sunday afternoon here on our second to last American Veteran Show, we've got the look at an anniversary, 81 years almost to the date, that a United States Marine named John Bassalone, what he did on the island of Guadalcanal in the Solomon Islands, what he did 81 years ago this week would earn him the Congressional Medal of Honor. We'll have newsreel footage and more. And it is with a heavy heart as we wrap up this program today. Our friend Joe, 
Joe Weinmeyer, United States World War II veteran, a United States Marine, a flamethrower in World War II. Joe passed this past week at the age of 97, one of my dearest friends, and we dedicate this entire program to him and his memory. And we'll have a look back coming up in our final segment. We begin, however, in Israel and in Gaza. It's an unusual sound. Sirens this past week in Jerusalem, in Gaza. And in Tel Aviv. But this past week was unlike any previous week of of this conflict, this war. It started with this. The bombing of a hospital in Gaza killing hundreds and hundreds of people. As you're well aware, earlier this week there was talk, how could the Israelis target a hospital in Gaza City? Well, it turned out that was not the case. However, the destruction, the devastation that war brings was very evident. This from CBS News. In Gaza's roughest city, a massive Israeli strike all but obliterates a residential area. Our CBS News team on the ground witnessed the immediate aftermath. Gaza producer Marwan Al-Ghul describes what he saw. I saw dozens of killed people and dozens of injuries. No enough ambulances, no civil defense. The people here try to do all of their best to take out the injuries by their hands. The horror our cameras captured showed the scale of suffering being inflicted on civilians. So many who are children screaming in agony. As their world crumbles around them. Since fighting began, the UN says more than a million Palestinians have fled their homes. The vast majority just this past weekend, after Israel warned people to leave the northern part of the Strip to the southern end ahead of its likely ground invasion. Israel continues to target the south in brutal attacks like this. The city of Rafah is also where the border crossing with Egypt is, the only way out of the besieged territory. But the crossing remains closed, leaving foreign passport holders, including around 600 Americans trapped inside Gaza, while desperately needed humanitarian aid piles up on the Egyptian side. As Israel readies its ground invasion, what's left of the northern Jabalia refugee camp may be a sign of what's to come. Just one square mile in size, it was once home to over 100,000 Palestinians. Now, a hellscape of unfathomable misery. President Biden will arrive in Israel on Wednesday to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu to show his support for the Israeli people and to help agree a humanitarian plan for the people of Gaza. Two million of them, half of which are children and who are suffering on a scale 
like never seen before. That from CBS News early last week. Of course, on Wednesday, Air Force One touches down in Tel Aviv. The president, President Biden, meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, a lot, we've got to overcome a lot of things. And also means encouraging life-saving uh, capacity to help the Palestinians who are innocent. The president's message sounded familiar. The world will know that Israel is, Israel is stronger than ever. My message to any state or any other hostile actor, thinking about attacking Israel remains the same as it was a week ago. Don't. 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 That from inside the United States Capitol this past week. Senator John Barrasso, Republican from Wyoming. Well, you heard it. America stands with Israel. They're under attack by purely evil Hamas terrorists. Thousands are dead, including Americans. The atrocities are horrific. Israel's taking action right now to defend itself and its people. America cannot let Israel stand alone. That means getting Israel the weapons and the military assistance that they need. Iron Dome interceptors, precision-guided missiles, protective equipment, and intelligence support. We're committed to ensuring that Israel can fight against all terrorist threats and protect their people. This morning, we had the opportunity in the Foreign Relations Committee to question Jack Lew, who is President Biden's nominee to be the ambassador to Israel from the United States. Now, don't forget, Jack Lew, he negotiated Obama's terrible Iran deal. From the state of Wyoming, Senator John Barrasso from Capitol Hill earlier this week. Coming up in our next segment, you'll hear nearly the entire 10-minute segment, the president's speech from last Thursday. Truth be told, I wasn't a fan. Glad you're with us on this penultimate edition of the American Veteran Show. Stephen Tubbs, along with our producer, Michael Arpaio, just getting started this Sunday. Stay with us. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephen Tubbs. We continue the program. As mentioned in our first, we will spend most of this segment hearing the vast majority will be the president of the United States. His speech from last Thursday broadcast around the world live from the Oval Office. I say this. Some of you may not believe me, but on this program specifically, I have tried not to be political. Sometimes it has proven difficult. Friends, this is that time. And I'll take words from one of our callers on our regular program last Thursday. This was Israel's moment. And the president of the United States did not solely focus on Israel. Instead, splitting about half of his little less than 15 minute speech, splitting it between Ukraine, Russia, Zelensky, Putin, and the tragedy of war that continues as we speak between Israel and Hamas. Good evening, my fellow Americans. 
We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. That's what I'd like to talk with you about tonight. You know, early this morning, I returned from Israel. <clears throat> they tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during the war. I met with the prime minister and members of his cabinet. And most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. <clears throat> in Israel, I saw people who were strong, determined, resilient, and also angry, in shock and in deep, deep pain. I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated that the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people right to dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. Hamas' stated purpose for existing is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields, and innocent Palestinian families are suffering greatly because of them. Meanwhile, Putin denies Ukraine has or ever had real statehood. He claims the Soviet Union created Ukraine. And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw, our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, a week left to live, but we're not withdrawing. I know these conflicts can seem far away. And it's natural to ask, why does this matter to America? So let me share with you why making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed is vital for America's national security. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going, and the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. So if we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine. He's, Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland 
that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which the treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. Make it clear, we do not seek. We do not seek to have American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. Beyond Europe, we know that our allies and maybe most importantly our adversaries and competitors are watching. They're watching our response in Ukraine as well. And if we walk away and let Putin erase Ukraine's independence, would-be aggressors around the world be emboldened to try the same? The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is, is supporting Russia in Ukraine, and is supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region, and will continue to hold them accountable, I might add. The United States and our partners across the region are working to build a better future for the Middle East, one where the Middle East is more stable, better connected to its neighbors, and through innovative projects like the India Middle East Europe Rail Corridor that I announced this year at the summit of the world's biggest economies. More predictable markets, more employment, less rage, less grievances, less war when connected. It benefits the people, it would benefit the people of the Middle East and would benefit us. American leadership is what holds the world together. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine, if we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine, is a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to, the qualitative military edge. We're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel. We're going to make sure other hostile actors in the region know that Israel is stronger than ever and prevent this conflict from spreading. Look. At the same time, President Netanyahu and I discussed again yesterday the critical need for Israel to operate by the laws of war. That means protecting civilians in combat as best as they can. <clears throat> the people of Gaza urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. If Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. 
the president from last week, not a fan. This was Israel's moment, and to me, Israel was shortchanged. Of course, yes, the pledge to members of Congress, give us $14 billion at least to aid Gaza, to aid Israel. Way too political for my blood. And I try not to be political on this program. That wraps up segment two. Coming up next, we switch gears and talk about a United States Marine Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. He earned that Medal of Honor almost to the day, 81 years ago, in a hellish place known as Guadalcanal. We'll have more on Sergeant John Bassalone, United States Marine Corps. That comes up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. show we continue now with stefan tubbs welcome back to the program coming up in our next and final segment this sunday again this show dedicated to my good friend may he rest in peace united states marine joe weinmeyer one of our frequent guests here on the american veteran show joe died last week he was 97 died peacefully i miss him i love him and we'll have a final segment Remembering him coming up. But in this segment, I want to remember something that happened almost 81 years ago to the day. And first, it well has to do with the Guadalcanal campaign, also known as the Battle of Guadalcanal. Codename, Operation Watchtower. This campaign was fought between 7 August 1942 and the 9th of February 1943. It was devastating. The United States, the UK, Fiji, Tonga, Australia, New Zealand troops battling Japan in the South Pacific in 1942. It was bloody and there was heroism. And there was also what was known as the Battle for Henderson Field. And it took place between the 23rd and the 26th of October, again, almost to the day, 1942, so 81 years ago. And it was during the battle for Henderson Field, a man by the name of John Bassalone, the guy from New Jersey, proud Marine. He would do heroic things and it would earn him the Congressional Medal of Honor. I remember as a little boy growing up in San Diego County, I would see the sign above the five, Interstate 5, near Oceanside and Camp Pendleton. I would see Bassalone Road. And, of course, in honor of the Medal of Honor recipient. This from a documentary looking back at the incredible life of John Bassalone, who received, would actually earn, through his actions in Guadalcanal, almost 81 years to the date, that eventually would get him the Medal of Honor. He carried the aura of being the first enlisted Marine to receive the Medal of Honor. He was awarded that decoration at the epic Battle of Guadalcanal, an event that all Americans believed was the, one of the finest hours the country had ever known. We had uh, a tough time in Guadalcanal. In October, we were pretty well pinned down. When the Japanese hit us on this particular night, October 24-25, they hit right in the A Company. I saw John twice that night. 
It was constant fighting. I kept getting word of John was doing some miraculous things up on his end, fixing his machine guns and pitch black dark and him doing it by his fingers. John piled them up around his gun pretty heavy. I was acting first sergeant at the time and wrote up the citation. He was sort of in awe that he got the Medal of Honor. They immediately brought him back to the States because they needed to pump up the war bond sales. They kind of put the squeeze on him to go sell war bonds. He really didn't want to go. John was a pretty famous individual. He traveled with movie stars. The girls, they'd all crowd around him. They took him to his hometown of Rarida, New Jersey, and 50,000 people turned out for his parade. It was a sea of humanity. All you could see were faces. They were shoulder to shoulder. You couldn't move. Once you got in the crowd, you just couldn't move. Sitting on a curb here in Raritan, I knew something special was happening. The roar of the crowd, the enthusiasm. I'd never seen a parade like that in my entire life. And John made a speech. I want to thank you, Judge Algard, and these very good home folks of Raritan for this wonderful gift. It's for all my buddies overseas and the front lines that they really appreciate everything you people, you wonderful people are doing by backing the attack and buying these war bonds. They presented John with a $5,000 war bond. There were all types of festivities. I was in the Boy Scouts. I was a shy boy, so I was underneath the stands when my mother and father went, uh, were on the car. Knowing him before and after the medal, that was very little change in his disposition, his attitude. You'd have never known from his lips that he had a Medal of Honor. He hanging around his neck when they had a parade, and that was it. He uh, got tired of bond sales quick. He didn't really like making speeches. He was a Marine. He wasn't a salesman. He did a certain amount of it and walked into an officer and said, I want the fleet again, meaning the fleet Marine force. And that's when he went back. He did go back. John Bass alone. He went back as a, a gunny sergeant, went back to Camp Pendleton, and he would lose his life February 19th, 1945, in Iwo Jima. He was just 28 years old and a true American hero who didn't have to go back into service, but it was in his blood. It was a part of him. And if you've been with us over the years on this program, you know that I'm a big fan of of newsreels and nothing quite captures the moment like, well, we go back 80 years, the newsreel on the Battle of Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal Airport, the tiny patch of land for which Japan has sacrificed a fleet of warships and thousands of fighting men, still bristles with United States bombers. For the forces that control Guadalcanal command the approaches to Australia, full mastery of the skies over the vitally important Solomon Islands. Today, these land-based bombers are leading the way as the combined United States land, sea, and air offensive begins the task of sweeping the Japs from the South Pacific.
armchair commander, Admiral Nimitz comes all the way from Hawaii to decorate Major General Vandegrift, whose fighting Marines captured the airfield from the Japs and held it against all odds. Highest honors are awarded officers and men alike. Majors, captains, privates, they've proven themselves in the test by fire. One youngster has 10 Jap bombers and 19 fighter planes to his credit. One of the outstanding records of the war. These are the men who bore the brunt of the battle. Now, with reinforcements newly arrived, they're ready to push on. Marching single file, long columns of fighting men stream across the island in pursuit of the enemy. Once, the little men of Nippon were in complete control here. Now, they're on the run. Plunging into malaria-infested jungles, the Marines steadily, doggedly enlarge their hold on the island. At an advanced base, they enjoy their first rest in weeks. They have the advantage of an uninterrupted supply line, and they get nothing but the best. Marines take no chances on being surprised by roving Jap patrols. Any line may be the front line on Guadalcanal, and they dig in as they advance. Machine guns always on the ready. Artillerymen back up the infantry, blasting the Japs from the island. Guadalcanal is the most hotly contested strip of land in the South Pacific. New runways, built by American soldiers with captured Japanese equipment, are inspected by the Marine commanders. And the only way that they could have built a new runway and captured Henderson Field, well, part of it at least, the actions of Gunny Sergeant, United States Marine John Bassalone, who almost 81 years to the day, his heroic actions in battle earned him the Congressional Medal of Honor. Another man of honor. We lost one of our favorite friends of this program, United States Marine Joe Weinmeyer, World War II veteran. We remember him. And that comes up next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. I will never think more when I hear this. I will always think about my friend, United States Marine, World War II veteran, flamethrower, one of the sweetest men ever, Joe Weinmeyer. We lost Joe. He died peacefully last week. He lived to be 97 years old. One of the kindest men that I have been able to meet in my life. Was he perfect? No. 
Was he a great American? Yes. Before we get to some pretty terrific audio from when we had Joe on the regular program just earlier this summer as he turned 97, I just want to to give a brief background. And I know Joe is but one of dozens, if not more than 100, some say 200-ish a day, World War II veterans were losing. Joe may not have been any more special than anyone else, but he was to me. And for so many of you that over the years, especially through COVID, you heard of Joe's love for puzzles. You'd send puzzles and you'd send him texts when he was a guest on our regular program in studio. I first met Joe Weinmeyer, and I want to say it was 2008. And we would end up taking a trip for Anzac Day. We prefer to say journey instead of trip. But we had a chance as part of the Greatest Generations Foundation way back 15 plus years ago. We were able to go to Melbourne, Australia. And I got to meet this guy named Joe. And he was terrific. He would smile, always smell good. And I remember every time we would go to either a pub or dinner or breakfast or lunch, I started the kind of joke with him. And I would tell the servers, it's Joe's birthday today. And he loved it. He loved it because people would come out and let's just say some of the younger ladies uh, would would, you know, come and maybe kiss this handsome devil on the cheek. It was just it was just an absolute life experience to be with with Joe there. We would travel other parts of the world. We would travel to Washington, D.C. I would uh, go to Pearl Harbor with Joe. And he, of course, had the life of, well, I'll save that for him to tell you. But there's really truly no way, especially when someone lives to be 97, there's really no way to accurately capture in a specific amount of time their contributions their ups their downs their life this from earlier this summer happy birthday joe not too long ago i was born in winona kansas no electricity no electricity no gas no water just a well i mean you talk about the bare nubbins Mm -hmm. and then you, you why did you decide to go into the marine corps well, I was getting, you know, I was, I was in my senior year of high school, and I was going to turn 18, and I knew they were going to draft me, and I didn't want to go in the Army because I knew I was going to go to Germany, and it's cold over there. <laughs> and I thought, nope, I'm going to go where it's warm, so I joined the Marine Corps. Oh, and you had training as a flamethrower. Talk about that. Exactly. Well... <clears throat> And after got after boot camp, we went to Camp Lejeune, which was advanced training, and we did a lot of weapons training. And uh, one of the wep- one of the many weapons that I trained with was a flamethrower. And then when we got overseas, we fell out one morning, and the sergeant platoon sergeant uh, assigned us our duties. And he went around the, the the platoon. Then he come up and he said, I need a flamethrower, Weinmeier. And then I was a flamethrower from then on. Yeah, it wasn't, um, hi, uh, I'm Sergeant Smith. Uh, would you by chance be interested in being a flamethrower, sir? <laughs> no, uh, 
he volunteered for me. Yes, I think that's, they call that voluntold. Uh, the text messages are coming in, Joe, by the way. Happy birthday. By, I mean, by the screen loads. Happy Thank birthday. You. Joe Weinmeyer, one of my favorite people that I've ever been blessed to know. He is, uh, he's like blood to me, uh, turns 90, 97 years old. How you doing? I'm doing great. I feel good. Uh, I'm up and about and, uh, well. Active. Yeah, yeah. That's the key, isn't it? You've told me many, many a times. That's that's the key to it. Stay active. Yeah. Again, our guest, uh, my number one man, United States Marine, Semper Fi to this Marine. Uh, Happy birthday to World War II veteran Joe Weinmeyer, 97 years old today. I I don't want to, we're certainly not going to end negative, but I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what the hell do you think is going on in this world today? With what? With this world today. It's out of whack. We don't have a decent leader, that's why. <laughs> oh, my God, if I could give you a hug, I would. Oh, I would I would love that. You know. Well, but, but we'll get together soon. We will. Now, look, I don't want to turn this into politics, but, I mean, the things you have seen in your life, you were born in a home in Kansas with no electricity and no running water. God yeah. bless your mother, of course, and I know you miss her every day. Uh, oh, your, yeah. your siblings, and, I mean, that was rough. People think that it's rough today. My goodness, look at what you have lived through. Yeah, plus the dust storms. Yeah. We, we had to put up with them, too. Well, here's here's one thing I want to brag for you, and a lot of people that know your story, they've heard you on the air before, but I always want to assume maybe nobody has. Look, you get out of the service, and you don't just come home and say, become, and, and with no disrespect to any of these industries, you don't become a plumber, you don't become a mechanic, you don't become, uh, you know, you're not delivering milk. You go on tour. Tell everybody what you did. Well, I went in the roller derby. I did that for three years. The roller derby? Yeah. How how much of that was real, and how much was it was a little theater? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, you you have to form your own opinion on you know, that. You know what? And, you know, I've put up on our Facebook and Twitter pages today a picture, at least I know on Facebook, a picture of you, like, in ready position. You know the picture I'm talking about, when you're yes. in, like, ready yes. position. Yes. How long ago does that seem to you? Does that seem like yesterday, a lifetime ago? It seems like yes. When I think about the roller derby, it just seemed like yesterday, and uh, I can just picture myself going around that track like a crazy fool <laughs> and enjoying every minute of it. Did you travel the country for that? Oh yeah, all over the United States. And then did you get into the? Were you doing it when uh, women's roller derby became really popular? Well, the women were skating the same time I was. Okay. There was women and men. I think, but, you know what, I think you could still be a blocker today. Your knees aren't that bad. Uh, I could probably <laughs> do a little bit. <laughs> uh, you've made the show. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. And I'd like to ask a favor. Anything. My granddaughter and great-granddaughter in Georgia are listening to this program. Excellent. And I just want to say... Hi to them, and I love them. Oh, you shout out their names, Joe. Give us your uh, their names. Uh, Willow and Leah. Willow and Leah, thank you for listening via online live stream. Please know that as best we can, we've got Joe taken care of. We love him so much, and thank you for sharing him with everybody. My friend, until we have lunch again, thank you, and a happy birthday to you. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you.
and thank you so much for this opportunity to be on your show. One of my best friends who was a father figure to me, who was a grandfather figure to me. And yes, I realize I'm not part of the story. My condolences to his Lori, who was holding Joe's hand when he passed peacefully last week at 97. To Joe's family, specifically his granddaughter and great-granddaughter, thank you for sharing this amazing American with not only me, but our audience on the regular show and right here. Rest in peace, Joe. Soar with the angels. And I will see you soon. That's all the time we have for the penultimate edition of the American Veteran Show this week, dedicated to World War II United States Marine Joe Weinmeyer. I'm Stephen Tubbs, and for our producer, Michael Arpaio, we'll talk to you next week with the final edition of the American Veteran Show. Have a great, safe, healthy week ahead, and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. And join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.